Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt. We're presented, as always, by America's top-rated sportsbook app, DraftKings. Hope you get to that. And this is going to be a unique podcast. We've been talking a lot, a lot, about the Washington football team, how it seems to be skating on these emails and the investigation, and the investigation wrapping up in the summer, and nothing was really done except for, not going to discount, $10 million fine to the owner and the team. And of course, the owner, Daniel Snyder, is supposed to be removed from operations, transferred to his wife. And then, of course, we had the explosive story the past couple of weeks of John Gruden's racist, homophobic emails that got him fired. And then the NFL, I think, hopes this will sort of go away. But I sort of wondered about the people that are true issues with this whole thing, which are the women in the Washington football team employ all those years that had to withstand this toxic workplace and harassment. So I thought I would get the lawyer representing those women. Her name is Lisa Banks. Lisa has been advocating for women a long time. To give you some of her background, she is a founding partner of Katz, Marshall and Banks, she practices mainly on, mainly on employment discrimination, sexual harassment, Title IX, whistleblower retaliation, all those kind of things. And she's the perfect advocate for the women that were, I don't know what you want to call it, harassed at the Washington football team for a period of years. And she and her partner, Deborah Katz, made some statements after the Gruden emails and after Gruden was, in my words, sacrificed for whatever greater good the leaker had. And I thought it was interesting. So I thought I'd bring her on and she was only too happy to come on. So I'm gonna bring her on in a second. First, I wanna give you a word from Cuts Clothing. I'm wearing it right now. These are really comfortable, good design, versatile, designed to never take a day off. Whether you're commuting to the office, you're out on a date, Cuts joggers offered comfort that never quits style that never disappoints. Like I said, I'm wearing it now. They make tees, they make polo shirts, a wardrobe as ambitious as you are, whether it's casual, whether it's business. It's on the world's top athletes as well. Patrick Mahomes, Damian Lillard, Tim Tebow, Bryce Harper, just to name a few that are wearing Cuts clothing. Its founder, Stephen Borelli, felt boxed in by his wardrobe. I know a lot of guys feel that way. He hates having to compromise between style and comfort, so he decided to do something about it. These Cuts clothing are really, really good clothing. I think you should jump in. It's not just a lifestyle. It's not just clothing. It's work, leisure, apparel for the sport of business. That's right up my alley. So get 15% off your first order at CutsClothing.com slash BOS for business of sports. That's CutsClothing.com slash BOS for 15% off your first order. Okay, without further ado, as I already introduced her, the lawyer representing the women harassed in the Washington Football Club investigation, Lisa Banks. And Lisa, I wanted to have you on. I saw your statement after the whole Gruden saga, a statement of you and your partner about addressing the interests that you have here. And I just want to open it up for you to address it and maybe talk about how you came to represent these women to begin with. And how are they feeling now that this has been out in the news so public again without any real redress towards their issues? 
Well, uh, thanks for having me. And um, <clears throat> I'm happy to talk about this because I think it's so important. Um, I started representing um, clients related to the Washington football team well over a year ago when the Washington Post article started to come out uh, revealing some of the background and history of, of harassment and abuse uh, involving former employees, cheerleaders, lots of folks at all levels of the organization. Um, slowly but surely, some people started to reach out to me, um, people who thought perhaps they had some claims, but also people who wanted the opportunity to speak out, um, to participate in the NFL investigation, which had started to uh, be underway uh, shortly after those Washington Post articles um, came out. So some folks just wanted to have representation to help navigate the process of the media and the NFL investigation. And so uh, I was spending lots of time talking to folks. And um, as it stands now, I think I represent around 40 people who are uh, for, former employees, men and women, mostly women, um, but 40 former employees, all of whom have stories to tell of of this harassment, misogyny, abuse that existed at the organization for over 20 years. Um, you, so that's how I came to get into it. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. When you say representing, uh, talk about what you're advocating for. Uh, is it a is it in litigation? Is it some kind of uh, other advocacy that you're doing for them? Let me let's hear about that, if you would. Sure. Um, no, n not everybody has legal claims or live legal claims because some of this harassment happened years and years ago. So statutes right. of limitations have passed. Um, but what my clients want and what I want on their behalf is some transparency and some accountability. Um, and so these people wanted to participate. They wanted to speak to the Washington Post to shine a light on these practices. Um, but more importantly, they wanted to speak to Beth Wilkinson and her team who were conducting the investigation because it was our understanding and our belief that the NFL was going to take this seriously, that they were going to really look into this uh, and get the information and then take some sort of action. Uh, and so I was assisting my clients in participating in the investigation and being in a position to be able to tell their stories, either confidentially or not. And um, so I was able to do that. And as you've seen reported, Beth Wilkinson spent over 10 months doing her investigation. She interviewed 150 or so people. There were uh, hundreds of thousands of documents that were turned over. Um, and it was a significant um, investigation. We sat through, uh, you know, I, I myself sat through almost 40 interviews or, or people on my team did. And um, so I know they took it seriously and they were doing a really good exhaustive investigation. Uh, but ultimately at the end of the day, what we found out is it really was all for naught because the NFL decided to take that investigation and, you know, toss it in the wastebasket or sweep it under a rug, you know, whatever it was, we never got any sort of feedback. We never got any sort of information 
uh, about what the findings were um, in order to assess whether there's any sort of accountability for the team or its owner. So let me just clarify what you just said. You, on behalf of your clients and your clients, spent multiple hours talking to the lawyer investigating the team, correct? That's right. And at that point, did you feel that your concerns, their concerns, were being addressed and taken seriously? Yes, very much so. Okay. Um, Beth and Wilkinson and her team appeared to take this very ser seriously, and they cared about getting all the information that my clients had or could direct them to. And when, at what point did you feel like it was, you, as your, your words kind of thrown in the trash bucket, um, is it because the report went orally only to the NFL or because the, 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 the result was a $10 million fine and transfer of ownership to the owner's wife? What, what exactly made you feel that way? Both. Um, towards the end of the investigation, we started um, calling on Roger Goodell to commit to making the the report of the investigation public as he and the NFL have done in, in most other investigations that they undertake. So if you think about Deflate Gate or mm -hmm. the Ray Rice investigation, those were big, significant investigations yes. with hundred page, hundreds of pages of report and they were made public. Uh, so we called on them to do the same here. The Washington Post and other media outlets called on them to make it public. He wouldn't respond and he wouldn't um, commit. And I think it was a difficult decision because he's dealing with an owner. Um, and I think what he decided to do was receive the results of the, rep of the investigation orally so he wouldn't have to make that difficult decision about whether to make a report public because there's no report. <laughs> so there's nothing to be made public. And so that was sort of the easy way for him to avoid having to make that hard decision or to explain it for that matter. So yeah, once he decided to do that, we knew, okay, this is a real problem. And then when we saw the, um, you know, the slap on the wrist for Snyder and this sort of ridiculous move of putting his wife in as co-CEO and overseeing day-to-day -day operations, it was, you know, a total sham. Um, so, you know, at that point, we knew that, that this was a waste of our time, that it had been a waste of our client's mm -hmm. time, unless and until we could see something from that investigation to, to judge whether, okay, maybe a $10 million fine and putting your wife in charge is the right move because the findings were such that that was warranted. But there's no way to know that because we don't know what the findings are. Although... I will tell you that for my 40 clients, I already know that there's enough in that report right. that, that this is not an appropriate um, punishment. If you would, again, I don't want to get into sensitive information, but we've seen reporting, and I've had Liz Clark from the Washington Post on this podcast talking about it, of requests for women to wear tight clothing, uh, request for women, for cheerleaders to hang out with business people on junkets. Are there other things you're comfortable sharing about the toxicity of that workplace here? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it was just rife with 
sexual harassment um, and abusive behavior. So, you know, women, like you said, were were instructed as to how to dress. There was comments on their clothing and their bodies. Um, there was touching, there was grabbing. Um, there was um, uh, comments from the top level management officials of a, of a sexual nature. There was a dismissiveness of women um, who didn't fit the mold that they were supposed to look like they were supposed to look like. Uh, and um, there was just an overall sense that the women were there simply to be looked at and appreciated for their physical beauty and for no other reason. Um, the, uh, the cheerleaders themselves um, had their own issues related to objectification and exploitation. Uh, and that has been detailed in the, in the Washington Post reporting as well about, you know, um, surreptitious videos and, and things of that nature. So everybody had a story to tell that they experienced it or observed it and they, they experienced it or observed it from day one until the day they left. Uh, and people were aware of it in management and nobody did anything about it. So, you know, that's unfortunate. There was no HR department to speak of for years and years and years. Uh, so there was nowhere to go. Um, in many instances, a woman's supervisor was complicit in the harassment. So there was, again, nowhere to go, no HR department, no supervisor. Um, and so it was just the nature of, of the organization. Did these allegations go all the way to the top with Daniel Snyder and or Bruce Allen, who's obviously been a focus lately of their investigation? There were allegations that related directly to Snyder as well. So, and those were reported in the Washington Post. Um, you know, and my educated guess is that there were more allegations shared with uh, Beth Wilkinson and her team uh, that were not reported in the Post. But um, uh, yeah, so it you know it was not a, an instance where this was just an absentee owner who who didn't have a sense of what was happening in his organization. This was the culture of the organization, all of his top lieutenants engaged in this culture. Um, and as I think anyone who follows corporate um, issues knows, culture comes from the top. And that's that was certainly the case here. Why do you think, you've mentioned it was something I've talked about a lot over the last week. We had the Wells report regarding Deflategate public. We had the Mueller report, who became obviously the uh, one of the key reports in politics on the Ray Rice situation years ago, 2014. So Mueller report, Wells report, other reports. Why no report here, in your opinion? In my opinion, it's because this didn't deal with a player. It dealt with an owner. And I think that the findings of that report would have been uh, extremely embarrassing at a minimum to Dan Snyder. And so Roger Goodell's job is, is to take care of, of the owners in the NFL. And so I think his job is to protect them. And so 
I don't think he ever intended this report to see the light of day, uh, unfortunately. And I think it's because it's it deals with an owner. And if it was a, a player situation, it probably would have been released, just like all the others had been. So um, that's my my understanding or my guess. Okay, now let's spin forward to your your segue right there about seeing the light of day. Do you think more of this will see the light of day? We've obviously seen what happened with John Gruden. Somebody somewhere wanted that information out that led to his ousting. And now the attention seems to be diverted from the Washington football team to John Gruden and whatever else, you know, came out about Bruce Allen and league dealings, but nothing really directly affecting the owner of the Washington football team. So, we have the attention of Congress. We have your statement. What do you think can happen in this regard? <clears throat> well, I will say that the attention to this whole Washington football team investigation and the fact that the NFL buried the investigation, buried the results, sort of had died down. We, you know, it had lost traction. Right. People weren't focused on it until those emails were leaked by whoever leaked them, who had an interest in seeing Bruce Allen and John Gruden, you know, pay the price. Um, but I think what that did, in addition to taking down John Gruden, is bring the spotlight right back onto the Washington football team investigation and cause people, including now members of Congress, to say, hey, why didn't we see what else was in that investigation? Because these emails were pretty bad. What else is in there? Right. And uh, so I think it backfired on whoever might have leaked those emails. And now we've got all this attention and all this traction from, again, people in the media, from my clients, from me, from members of Congress, um, from the NFL Players Association, all of whom are now saying, wait a minute, we need some transparency. We need to know what happened in this workplace and why you're trying to hide it. Um, and so we'll see. The, the owners are meeting uh, in New York today and tomorrow, as you probably know. And uh, my clients um, sent a letter to them. They'll be delivering a letter to them today at the New York hotel um, addressed to the social justice working group of the NFL owners, you know, asking them to demand the NFL um, make these findings more public, that there be some transparency here. Um, so we're going to continue to put the pressure on them, but I do think there's a lot of momentum right now, and Congress is clearly getting interested. Uh, and, you know, I think that's probably going to make a lot of people uncomfortable. But that's probably the way that we're going to see more of this investigation, more of the results as if Congress really pushes this issue, or if we somehow come across a good old fashioned whistleblower. Do you have a theory as to the whoever is that leaked these emails? You know, uh, I don't know who who leaked them. You know, my opinion is that it, it's probably Dan Snyder or somebody in his camp. Um, because he and uh, Bruce Allen have been embattled for a while now. Um, and obviously the leak caused Bruce Allen to, to look bad. But um, 
know, I don't know for sure, but that's that's just my guess. But what I do know is that this leak brought the attention back on the NFL's failure to do anything here, and I'm I'm happy about that. Which is why I don't think, again, this is my theory, my opinion, why I don't think it's Daniel Snyder and his group because doing exactly that, right? Now, maybe they're just short-sighted to think that this would end with dropping John Gruden through a trap door. Uh, Well, certainly the NFL didn't want these emails out there. They're trying to make all sorts of progress in the areas of racial justice and the image of the league. And this, these emails set them back significantly. So I can't imagine that the, the, the commissioner's office or any of the other owners are happy about seeing these emails out there. Um, And the only one who would want to see these kinds of emails out there would be Dan Snyder. So that's why I, assumed it was him or his camp that that put them out without perhaps um, understanding or or seeing that that this could backfire, which in fact it did. Yeah. What ultimately would you like to see happen? Would you like to see a written report about what your clients told them? Would you like to see more of disciplines, punishment, against the current owner of the team or, or past people that were in leadership roles? Ultimately, what would you like to happen? I would like Beth Wilkinson to be able to finish her work and to do what I have every reason to believe she intended to do, which was put together a comprehensive report of her findings. And I'd like her to present that to the NFL and for the NFL to make that public Um, taking appropriate steps to protect people's confidentiality where they want it or where it's necessary, and that's entirely doable. And then to make a decision based on those findings about what the appropriate actions are. And that's the way this should have happened. This is the way it has always happened in the past. And that's the only way it can happen and be fair. So let Beth Wilkinson finish her job and then decide what what the appropriate steps are to take. But you know what Goodell did here is he short-circuited the whole process, decided he was going to shove it in a drawer, um, and, and pretend like there was nothing to see here. And do you think that Congress, I mean, it got a lot of attention last Friday when it came out, can force some action here? Yeah, I think that they can, probably can if they have the desire to do that. You know, you have one congressperson or senator with a, a real interest in this, and they can be like a dog with a bone. And so, um, if there's traction, if if this gains momentum, uh, if we see more representatives or senators who get interested in this, if we have a hearing. Uh, if they have, you know, they, they have subpoena power, right. we might hear from Beth Wilkinson that way. We might hear from Roger Goodell or Daniel Snyder that way. I don't know, but certainly it's a step in the right direction. If it's something that Congress decides it's interested in, they certainly have the power to exert some pressure. And finally, Lisa, um, what have your clients said to you? What has been their reaction to this Gruden email episode and uh, guessing the attention that's been brought back to it. 
I, again, like I said, I think they they are pleased that this has caused attention to be brought back onto the Washington football team investigation and the fact that the NFL dropped the ball here. And so um, obviously they were horrified by Gruden's emails, just like everybody else. But, you know, the fact remains that after 10 months and 150 witnesses and 650,000 documents, the only person to lose their job was the coach of a different team. Right. You know, that's an announcer at that time. Right. I mean, but, you know, what about the Washington football team? And what else is in that investigation? And so I think they were happy that that this caused the focus to go back onto the investigation and to cause people to question why NFL did you decide to close this up and put it away? Lisa Banks advocating on behalf of the women affected and men affected by the toxicity and the harassment of the Washington football team. Now it's in the spotlight again. You know, I didn't expect three weeks ago to be having you on my podcast. Uh, I I didn't expect it either, but it it was a welcome change. And now, you know, it's, it's, it's all out there again and people are asking questions and that's frankly what we wanted. Um, So we're going to keep the pressure on, the NFL and, and insist that they do the right thing. Yeah. And we will see if the Wilkinson report, as I'm deeming it now oral, <laughs> turns into something more than that. You know, my, you know, I assume that Wilkinson and her team were, were sort of creating a report as they went. Right. And that there was probably at the end of the day, at least a draft. Right. Um, and, you know, she was told to basically hold on to that and don't, don't give it to the commissioner's office. Um, but I think if, if he turned around and said, okay, give me the report, my guess is she could pull that together pretty quickly. Yeah. Lisa Banks, really appreciate your work on behalf of these women and men, as you said, and uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast. Really informative stuff. Really enjoyed talking to you. My pleasure. Thank you. Fascinating interview with Lisa Banks, really just talking about this incredibly harassed um, environment and then the, the report and there was, you know, then it's all hidden. There's no visibility whatsoever. Speaking of visibility, a word from AutoZone. Visibility is the first line of defense when it comes to staying safer on the road, seeing better, just like you can't see into the Snyder investigation, but you can see better on your car, means spotting the unexpected even faster. Better visibility, head to AutoZone. Not only that, they've got all the products you need to drive safer. See more behind the wheel. Wipers squeaking or streaking. It's time to replace the wipers. AutoZone members get $10 bonus reward when they buy two Rain-X Quantum Wiper Blades. You should definitely join the AutoZone Rewards Program. It's so easy. Plus, you get another $5 bonus reward just for joining. If your headlights are dim, those same rewards can get you a $25 bonus reward when you buy the Sylvania LED Fog Twin Pack. Always a good time to upgrade anything visibility related. Now is probably the best time as daylight savings time is leaving. Uh, sad about that. AutoZone Visibility Week is right around the corner. Ready to see more and drive safer? Visit your nearest AutoZone or head to AutoZone.com. Start your job today. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Hope you enjoyed the broadcast. We will be back next week. Before that, I want to let you know once again on Thursday nights, I'm twitching. I'm streaming the Thursday night football game. It's going to be lit, as the cool kids say, this Thursday night when I've got my old team, the Packers, 
against the Arizona Cardinals, the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. So join me, Andrew Brandt, live on Twitch. Newsletter, sign up if you haven't already. Take 10 seconds. Go to andrew-brandt.com. Sign up for the Sunday 7 newsletter, free to your inbox every Sunday morning. Twitter, Andrew Brandt. Instagram, Andrew Brandt 2. Clubhouse, ADB719. And, of course, the best way to find me is here on the Business of Sports podcast. Produced ably by Brian Neal, music producer, the music leader under me, Sam Brandt, my son. And I'll be back next week with another edition of Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.